Hi, my name is Alice Turnquist, and I'm very optimistic and excited about the ways in which 5G is going to change the world. Hi, I'm Dean Brenner, and I'm excited about 5G, especially now that all of us all over the world are dealing with so many challenges in view of COVID-19. I'm Sean Kenny, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer that important question. Dean, Alice, it's uh, great to speak with both of you again. I think it's been a little while since we uh, chatted and certainly a lot of things to talk about. But before we get into our conversation today around 5G, I wanted to go into a recurring segment where I try to get to know the guest a little bit better by posing three questions from the Proust questionnaire. So Dean, are you ready? I'm ready, Sean. Question number one, what is your current state of mind? My current state of mind is concern for the entire world uh, because of this crisis that we're facing by COVID-19. Uh, but it's not enough just to be concerned. So I'm acting in as many different ways as possible by first of all, following all the, the health guidelines with my family here in Washington, DC. And second of all, doing everything that I can as a participant in the wireless industry to ensure that the wireless industry writ large and Qualcomm in particular, we're doing everything we can to help people in the United States and around the world use wireless technology to deal with these unbelievable challenges that the whole world is facing because of COVID-19. Question number two, Dean, what is your favorite journey? Uh, my favorite journey is the first journey that I made in my life outside of the United States. In 1985, I visited uh, Japan, China, and, um, and Hong Kong. Uh, and it was the first time I had left the United States. I traveled with my mom. I had just taken the bar exam. And um, it was uh, an eye-opening experience, especially to be taking that journey into China in 1985 before so much liberalization had, has taken place. Final question from the Proust questionnaire, Dean. Which talent would you most like to have? I would like to have some artistic talent. I have zero, zero, zero artistic ability. All right. Well, now to talk about 5G, uh, specifically as it relates to transportation. So ahead of this recording, I looked at some data compiled by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration that I'd like to share briefly. In 2017, there were more than 34,000 fatal traffic crashes reported to police in the U.S., more than 1.8 million injuries, and more than 4.5 million traffic crashes that caused property damage. So to my way of thinking, if 5G can make those numbers go down, it will change the world. But maybe you can give us an idea of how 5G is going to address vehicular safety. Uh, sure, Sean, and thanks so much for asking that question. And by the way, I hope that you're staying safe and healthy and your family is staying safe and healthy and so is everyone who's listening to this podcast. So at Qualcomm, we've been working on technology to use first 4G and now 5G to enable cars to communicate with other cars and cars to communicate with infrastructure 
like traffic lights and roadside uh, units, roadside base stations um, to dramatically improve uh, highway roadway safety. So the, this idea of cars communicating with cars dates back actually to the 1990s. And there was originally a, a Wi-Fi based technology and uh, using a primitive form of Wi-Fi to do this. It's never really taken off. There really are no cars that use that technology. And so at Qualcomm, although we were involved with that technology, uh, our engineers and also Alice and I in the regulatory world kind of went back to the whiteboard and we said, can we use first 4G and now 5G to really do, uh, enable this these applications, but in ways that could, we could never have imagined uh, in the 1990s. And so this technology is what we call cellular V to X or CV to X. And again, initially using 4G and then eventually now it will be using 5G. And we think it has tremendous potential to improve safety on roads. We've demonstrated it uh, all over the world. We've refined it. Uh, Ford is committed in the United States to using this technology in all of their cars starting in 2022. And the, the technology that we developed is the same technology to enable two cell phones to communicate directly with one another. We called that LTE Direct. And then we started thinking, well, you know, what's this? And we, it was called device to device communication. And we started thinking, well, what's a car? A car is really becoming like a smartphone with wheels and a car is a device. So let's try to take that same technology that we use for two cell phones to communicate directly and let's bring that into the vehicle world. Obviously, huge challenge to be able to have this technology work so well when cars are traveling, you know, 65 miles an hour or whatever. Um, hopefully that's the speed limit, by the way. And, um, and we're excited about its potential to do all sorts of things, especially its potential to enable cars to communicate with other cars and with infrastructure about things that uh, other cars can't see. So let me explain what I'm talking about. Uh, at night, during a hailstorm, during a thunderstorm, uh, down an alley, around a curve, uh, uh, the ability for one car to communicate with all other cars within a given area about things that the one car can see that the other cars haven't seen yet, that has the potential to really improve roadway safety. Ian, you alluded to the uh, regulatory work that you and Alice do there in D.C., and our conversation is quite topical, given the ongoing policy process that's considering how to divide 75 megahertz in the 5.9 gigahertz band for transportation systems. Can you quickly take us through some of the open questions in that, that policy debate and tell us what, from your perspective, the most positive outcome would be? I'll do my best, Sean. This is something that Alice and I have been working on for Qualcomm for uh, seven years now, dating back to 2013. So I'll try to give you a, a fast, hit the fast forward button to where we are today rather than taking you through that tortured history. So where we are today is the FCC has proposed allocating the upper 
20 megahertz of this 75 megahertz band for this C V to X, for this cellular V to X technology that Qualcomm has developed, that Ford is committed to deploying, that other automakers are, are uh, either deploying or are evaluating. So out of this 75 megahertz, the upper 20 megahertz has been proposed by the FCC to allocate to this tech for this technology. The next 10 megahertz has been proposed either for this same technology that I've been talking about or for the Wi-Fi variant of the technology, which is called, by the way, DSRC. As you know, Sean, we have lots and lots of acronyms in the wireless industry. So that technology, which has never taken off, is called DSRC. So it's possible under the FCC's proposals that we would get 30 out of the 75 megahertz allocated for cellular V to X. That leaves the remaining 45 megahertz of spectrum. And the FCC has proposed allocating that 45 megahertz for unlicensed operations, uh, either Wi-Fi or the LAA or the 5G version of, of unlicensed that we call 5G NRU or for other unlicensed, other technologies that use unlicensed spectrum. That of course has spawned a, a big debate in Washington DC. Should the FCC go ahead with that proposal or should the FCC allocate the remainder of the band for 5G based CV to X or should the FCC uh, uh, continue the current allocation? This is a, a rare band in FCC rules because it, in the 19, late 1990s, starting back then, it's allocated 100% for the DSRC technology. So under existing FCC rules, the only technology that can be deployed on the spectrum is DSRC. Now that's unusual in two ways. First, the FCC does not typically dictate a technology for a given spectrum band. Uh, in fact, just the opposite, the FCC typically allocates spectrum and says it can be used for any type of mobile or fixed technology. That's the, been the case at the FCC really since the 1990s. But in this case, the FCC made not only a specific use allocation, i.e. ITS, but a specific technology. The other reason why that's unusual is that the technology that the FCC allocated the spectrum for, DSRC, has never taken off. So although there are some infrastructure deployments on the spectrum that have been funded by the United States Department of Transportation and state transportation uh, departments, there are no new cars that are being sold with the DSRC technology. And as a result, there are almost no cars that have the technology in it and almost no cars therefore using the spectrum. If the FCC goes ahead with its proposal and only allocates 30 megahertz for CV to X and allocates the other 45 for unlicensed, that creates a lack of spectrum for the 5G version of CV to X. Uh, and we know that the whole world, of course, is moving to 5G. And so therefore, what we've said to the FCC is we, we, uh, we don't think you should make that allocation, but if you do, you need to find other spectrum that's suitable for the 5G version of CV to X. 
And, and by the way, another big development in the past couple days is the FCC allocated, uh, will allocate at its upcoming meeting on April 23rd, 1200 megahertz in the six gigahertz band right next door to 5.9 for unlicensed. So th there isn't an issue of, is the FCC doing enough for unlicensed? The FCC is doing a, a huge, giving a huge boost to unlicensed through this six gigahertz allocation, which by the way is another big Qualcomm spectrum policy uh, objective. We're extremely happy and excited about that announcement from the FCC. We have products ready to go to use the six gigahertz band for Wi-Fi. We're working on 5G NRU for this six gigahertz band. So our position in overall is we fully support the initiative of the FCC and six gigahertz at 5.9. We would like to see the spectrum allocated, not just for the basic CV to X as the FCC is proposed in the upper 30 megahertz, but we also think the rest of the band should be allocated for the 5G version of CV to X. But again, if the FCC opts not to do that, we want the FCC to find other spectrum for 5G CV to X. I realize, Sean, that wasn't a short answer to your question, but that's about as concise as I can explain it. Alice may want to add or subtract to what I just said. Yeah, well, I would I would just add uh, to your point about, you know, no automakers have uh, are deploying DSRC. And, and from what we're seeing, you know, automakers are moving towards CV2X. The most obvious example is Ford that's committed to deploying it beginning in 2022. And the record shows from filings at the FCC that other automakers are strongly considering CV2X as well, which is another strong reason why the FCC um, needs to make the changes that Dean described. So as we've established, uh, cellular V2X, there's an LTE version and then there's enhancements that come as that is upgraded to 5G. So can you kind of delineate uh, what is added with 5G? Yes, thanks for asking that, Sean. So for the 4G version of CV2X, it provides what we would call the basic safety functions. So there are certain applications, they've been defined over a period of years actually by the automotive community for uh, things that, the, that uh, V2X in general, no matter what the technology, radio technology is, for things that V2X is supposed to do. For example, enable cars to communicate with traffic lights and cars to communicate with other cars that have the technology at intersections. The 4G version of CV2X fulfill, uh, enables all of these core safety functions uh, to be in cars. And that's, as I say, fantastic and is going to have a direct positive impact on roadway safety. Now what's different about the 5G version is of course for 5G we have this very very fast new radio with uh, tremendous capabilities going into cars and so within the 3GPP standards process and within Qualcomm's research and development teams we've designed a whole new set of applications that 
will bring tremendous safety benefits to cars that have the 5G version. The most important thing to think about with the 5G version is each car with 5G-based CV2X will not only have the 4G CV2X and these basic safety functions, but the 5G-based cars will be on a rolling basis, constantly reporting back to every other car around it that also has 5G, everything that the car sees and its distance. So it will be able to report about cars that don't have CV to X in them about safety hazards that they're posing. And it will be able to report to the other cars about uh, roadway hazards that the other cars can't see. It will be able to report its intention. So if I'm gonna change lanes uh, coming up, if I'm gonna take an exit up ahead, I'm gonna be able to tell you and Alice and all the other 5G-based cars what I plan to do even before I do it. And one of the biggest things is, again, once we have 4G-based CV to X, that's great. And that enables all the 4G CV to X cars to communicate with each other. But of course, we know you don't buy a car for you know 10 years or so. So what do we do about the fact that there are going to be many, many cars for a long period of time that don't have CV to X in them at all? Well, the 5G version, in effect, allows a 5G car to be able to perform the functionality not only for itself, but for all the non-CV to X cars that it sees that, have, uh, that are experiencing or posing hazards. So... That, that's just the tip of the iceberg of why we're so excited about 5G CV to X. Yeah, and uh, if you want to learn more about that for our audience, uh, Qualcomm has a great video demonstration up on their YouTube channel that was uh, published uh, about a week ago that shows exactly what Dean's discussing. But what I'm kind of curious to hear from you, and I know this requires a degree of, of speculation, but what do you think is a good general time frame for when we will see a significant number of 5G-enabled automobiles on the road, so much so that the numbers that I recited earlier might actually start to go down? Well, we do think um, starting in 2022 in the United States, those numbers are going to start to go down. Uh, Ford sells a couple million cars a year, new cars a year. And once Ford starts selling new cars with CV to X, and of course, in order to get the full impact of CV to X, you need all the cars to have it or as many cars as possible. But we think once one major US automaker starts to sell new cars that excludes that all have CV to X in them, those numbers are gonna start to come down. By the way, Sean, in China, I think you'll start to see cars being sold uh, with CV to X starting as uh, over the next, you know, between now and into 2021. So China has also allocated the same upper 20 megahertz for the 4G version of CV to X. In terms of the 5G version, so we 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 need to talk about what's different, what how we use 5G for CV to X, and we can do that in a second. But I would say that we will see the safety benefits from CV to X 
in the United States starting in 2022 with the, with the Ford ramp up. And then I think you would see the real hockey stick type curve, you know, as more cars get sold, whether they have the 4G version or the 5G version, you're going to see the, you get this giant network effect. I mean, if Alice and I and you have cars with CV to X inside, okay, that's fine. But it, where you really get the big boost is as the numbers of cars that have it grow exponentially, then you get, you know, you get the big hockey stick logarithmic increase in, uh, in safety benefits. Well, Dean, Alice, as always, it's been a, a pleasure speaking with you. I look forward to checking in as the policy questions around B2X spectrum allocation get answered and as we see continued uh, adoption amongst automakers. So thank you so much for taking the time to answer the question, will 5G change the world? Will 5G change the world is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. The show today was produced and edited by me, Sean Kim. Thanks for listening.